When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. listeners from home or on the road catch a favorite story you are listening to catch the story the podcast where in each episode we bring you great stories told by dear storytellers i'm your host lucia matuonto and it's time to catch the story our first storyteller is david Cantor. David is an international lawyer, tech founder, and global citizen. A native New Yorker, David has led a life marked by diversity, having explored more than 35 countries. This is an excerpt from IMQ, part one, The Bridge. I was rinsing my face with cold water in the men's bath. I had just finished my weekly set at a sticky floored comedy dive on Ludlow. Like any other Thursday night, there would be a mixture of neighborhood locals, mostly drunks who turned into late-night creeps, and the usual lot of New York City tourists who left after their complimentary drink. I sat down and drank a cold beer. Someone left this for you, said Craig, smacking down a white business card on the sticky wooden bar. Maybe it's your big break, he said with a menacing smile and left me alone. I like to have sex in your office, I thought, without saying it. Finished my beer and noticed how white the card was. I don't trade business cards on a daily basis or ever, but somehow this object shone like a beacon of light. Maybe it was the poorly lit wooden bar or the warning Guinness coaster next to it that amplified its presence. Either way, I picked up the pearly white sharp-edged card and read the inscription on the front. Q. I flipped it over. Seeking human connections. What do you make of this? I asked Danielle. She was busy behind the bar, drawing moisture off newly washed glasses with a towel. She held the glass up to the dim light and placed it on the shelf. I don't know how you do it, I said, tossing her the business card. Half of these idiots wouldn't know if you served them gin or rubbing alcohol, let alone complain about a dirty glass. She ignored my comment and picked up the card. Mysterious, she said. No phone number. She ran her fingers along the edges of the weighing it in her hand. Solid. She swept it across her neck like a knife. Even dangerous. Do you think I could slice lemons with it? Go ahead. She read it once again while pouring me a healthy glass of bourbon. This was the not-so-subtle hint. There would be no sex tonight. Maybe Craig's right, she said, using the card as a coaster for my drink. Might be your big break. I gave her an exasperated look, coughing out a ha sound. I was tired anyway. Next chapter, the call, Friday, September 8th. The next day I received the call. It's not so often that someone calls my landline. Only a few people actually have this number, not including telemarketers. This is the main reason I have an answering machine. Everyone thinks it's crazy, but just three years ago I dropped most modern mobile telecommunication from my life. It was a flip phone with basic SMS. I also got fired from my day job and stopped using personal email. I know, it sounds extreme, but I had have my reasons. 
or so I believe. Like all unknown numbers, I let this one ring to my answering machine. I actually took pleasure in this moment. My prompt was fairly succinct and usually caught people off guard. Just having an answering machine was antiquated, fertile ground for awkward moments. And this is where I get most of my amateur material for Ludlow anyway. You've reached Sam Noble. I'm not around at the moment, but maybe if you have something good to say, I will pick up the phone or call you back. The voice was delicate, female. Yes, hello, Mr. Noble. My name is Q. Are you there? There was a pause of several seconds, but the caller was still on the line, waiting. Now I was the one surprised. Only my mother did this. I guess not, the delicate voice said. I started towards the phone, but something stopped me. The voice continued. I left my card for you last night at Ludlow. Did you receive this? Another moment of silence passed. Well, I'd be interested to speak with you about an opportunity. I guess I'll try to call you again, as I cannot leave a phone number. I picked up the phone. Hello? I said, pretending to be out of breath. This is Sam. Sorry about that. I was running on the treadmill. There was a slight pause as I continued my pretense of breathing heavily. I did receive your card. Oh, great. Well, I'd be delighted to meet you in person. If possible, her voice was both fragile and firm. It hardly wavered in pitch. I have an office space downtown. I'd like to learn more about you. I know this might come off as a strange request. I caught my fake breath. Are you an agent? I asked. She seemed confused. An agent? Okay, I guess not, I said, surprised at how disappointed I was. So you want to meet? Yes, and talk. Talk about what? I asked. There was a slight pause. Human connections. Now it was time for me to feel awkward. Human connections? I repeated, only remembering now what was written on the rigid white business card. Yes, I'll explain to you everything in person, but after your show last week, I felt I could learn something from you about this. There was a slight pause, and she continued. Humor is an important aspect of life. I didn't really know what to say. It was like speaking to the Queen or Miss America. She was so proper. Yes, it is, I replied, matching her serious tone. People don't laugh enough in life. It is a flower of joy, and joy is the seed planted in all our hearts. I had no idea where this came from. I think I read it in a fortune cookie, but it seemed right, and I found myself wanting to say this. There was a thoughtful pause, and the delicate voice replied firmly, Thank you, Mr. Noble. I won't take any more of your time, but here's my address. I jotted it down. I'm free any day next week at 9 a.m. We've already given you clearance for the entire week, so if you choose, you may just show up. I hung up the receiver and pulled up the map of my desktop computer. There was no doubt that I would go. It would be worth it for the view alone. Next chapter. Q. Monday, September 11th. I didn't tell anyone about the strange call. There was only one person I would share it with anyway. I've had plenty of awkward conversations, but in most cases, I initiate them. And virtually all the time, they are with telemarketers. I know, it's eccentric, but it's part of my nature. Nothing brings me more joy than making a telemarketer laugh. You have no idea how difficult that is. It's like chiseling two-inch thick ice off a windshield in sub-zero temperatures, without gloves. Pure frostbite to the soul. It's not easy, but when I get through to the windshield and see my beloved telemarketer, whether they are from Kansas or Jakarta, it feels damn good to know there's still joy inside. On Sunday night, I could barely sleep. 9 a.m. Human connections. Thank you, Mr. Noble. Clearance. 
So many scenarios were running through my head. Even if Q was a secret agent from Russia, I wouldn't care. I would tell her all my secrets. The next day, I arrived in the financial district way too early. I had hardly slept and decided to walk to Brooklyn Bridge. The flag was at half-staff, and I quickly remembered the somber reason. I was in the heart of it now, and would soon arrive at Ground Zero. It was a comfortable September morning, and I grabbed myself a deli coffee with a bacon, egg, and cheese roll, and watched the Manhattan morning roll by for about 30 minutes. I couldn't recall the last time I set foot downtown during the morning rush hour. Everything downtown was notably different from the gridlock Manhattan location where I used to work. Just having an option to cross over a bridge seemed to make a world of a difference. I shuddered at the the thought of being back on that metal train and let myself get lost in the Grand Parade once again. Around 8.45 a.m., I entered the soaring lobby of the One World Trade Building and approached the security desk. I gave them my driver's license, retrieved my badge, and shot up to the sky lobby, where I was to wait for someone to retrieve me. I was staring out of the massive, floor-to-ceiling windows looking north. It was like an observatory. An immense wave of concrete and monumental skyscrapers sprawled out in front of me like a complex motherboard of some massive computer. In my entire adult life, I had never seen New York City from this perspective. Perched on the 65th floor of the tallest building in North America, everything seemed, well, manageable. From behind me, a man's voice called my name, and he instructed me to follow him towards a nearby bank of elevators. He swiped a badge and pressed a button that wasn't even visible on the elevator dashboard. I thought for sure this guy in the finely pressed suit was going to break the awkward elevator silence, which I loved. Oddly, though, he seemed straight-necked stiff. Not even a hint of awkwardness emanated. The need for small talk was not in his genetics, so it shifted to me. Going up, I blurted without any thought. He turned his perfectly sculpted head and nodded with a smile. The doors opened, and he ushered me towards the south side of the floor, passing dozens of offices. As we walked for for what felt like a half a city block, morning light flooded through the glass on either side of the hallway. People moved around, here and there, not paying much mind to us. At the end of the hallway, my nameless escort knocked on a wood-paneled door. A young woman opened it with a bright smile. Her voice was unmistakable. I'm so glad you decided to come, said Q. Please... Make yourself comfortable. Would you like something to drink? Coffee, perhaps? Um, coffee would be good, I replied. She nodded towards the man at the door, who left us alone. I didn't know where to look, or what at. Typically, when I'm doing a routine, I pick out a handful of patrons in the dimly lit crowd. Here, there was only one, sitting above the clouds in an angelic light. As I took my first glance at Q, my first glance at Q, I had to force myself to look away. Wow, I said of the view outside, hardly realizing I spoke. Behind a wooden desk was a floor-to-ceiling, triple-pane window with an unobstructed view cell. It was really a wow moment. All around, Q's light brown eyes with a hint of emerald were still shining in my vision. I stared out towards lower Manhattan, where the tip of the island edges itself into the harbor. I could see everything. There was nothing above us aside from clouds and helicopters. The tops of other buildings felt like they were miles below. Further down still, sidewalk commuters looked like docks about to be devoured by Pac-Man. I lifted my gaze, and I could make out Staten Island. I saw a ferry shuttle their passengers back and forth in plumes of dark smoke. Q stood next to me, but I dared not avert my gaze towards her direction. 
I love the Statue of Liberty, she said in a serious tone that caught me off guard again. It represents so much for America and the world. Jesus, Miss America. I stole a quick glance from the reflection of her face in the window, her round, smooth cheeks and tight red lips. She was pretty much my height, maybe a head shorter if she wasn't wearing heels. Are you American? I asked. She continued to look out of the glass, touching it now with her slender, pianist-like fingers. It's a complicated question, she replied. My father is Eastern European, and my mother is Chinese. Wow, I said for the second time, noticing the Asian descent in her appearance. Quite the combination. She paused thoughtfully before replying. I know, it's an odd mix. My parents tell me that I was conceived in Dubai, born in California, and raised by the world. Wow, I said for the third time, not knowing what else to say. I think the authorities at Ellis Island would have a difficult time processing this. Ellis Island is also a place of great significance, replied Q, without any acknowledgement of my poor attempt at humor. I've heard many stories, families arriving from all over the world, one shared vision, a dream of opportunity, a dream of a better life ahead. At this point, I had to get a full glimpse of the royal specimen next to me. I couldn't place her age, but she couldn't have been older than 25. An innocence seeped through her pores. Her hair was steel black and fell straight as water. It meshed perfectly with her thinly manicured eyebrows and almond eyes. She was wearing a dark suit with a cream-colored shirt, very professional attire. I contrasted like the stained Guinness coaster to her pearly white business card. There was a knock at the door, and in walked my nameless escort, placing a tray of drinks on a nearby table. Please, said Q, let's sit down. I'll tell you why I've asked you to come. I sipped on strong coffee while Q gave me a glimpse into her recent history. She had just landed in Manhattan from California and would be here for another month or so before heading to Shanghai. That is more places than I have been in a decade, I said, feeling a little pathetic. It's not about the number of places you go, replied Q. It's about how far you travel. I cocked my head and placed the coffee back on the circular table between us. Who said that? I asked. Yoda? My father, replied Q, again without acknowledging my attempt at humor. Sounds like a bright guy, I added. My parents always believed that the world would be my greatest teacher, she explained. I was never enrolled in a traditional academic setting. I shook my head, feeling envious. I had some friends who were homeschooled, I said, just to speak, but they never left their farms in New Hampshire. One man's garden has another's footpath, Q reflected. Who said that, I asked. Wait, let me guess. My father, replied Q, without waiting. He never wanted to be away from me. In fact, he took me everywhere that he possibly could, even to this day. So is he here now? She nodded. Oh, yes. I do hope you'll have an opportunity to meet. I shifted anxiously in my chair, struggling to make sense of the situation. So you never went to college? I asked. Q shook her head. My parents felt that I should meet people, rather than receive a higher education. Me people? I repeated. Yes, answered Q. I should meet a diverse group of people who could teach me things. He calls it the human connection. How long have you been doing this? Doing what? Q asked. This whole human connection thing, I said, waving my hand in the air. Pretty much my whole life. I looked briefly at my warning converses. What exactly does your father do? I inquired. He's a scientist. I raised my eyebrows, impressed. 
I suddenly realized that I couldn't recall the last time I was in a one-on-one meeting with a new acquaintance that wasn't sexual. A behavioral scientist, she continued. I still don't understand everything he does, but he has several degrees. She pointed towards a wall that I hadn't really paid attention to. There it was, hanging proudly above a strange-looking office plant. Bachelor of Science from Cambridge. Double major in Anthropology and Linguistics. Master's degree from Stanford in Biology. PhD from MIT in Molecular Biology. Wow, I said for the fourth time that morning. I guess this is his office. Yes, he wanders around a lot, though, so I use it for these meetings. So I'm not your only meeting? She searched for the right words. You're my first of the day. I put down my coffee and ironed out my pants. So this is an interview? I tried to make sense of it all. As she thought for a moment, her eye color seemed to transform with the light in the room. What happens next is your decision, Mr. Noble. Q's lips raised into what seemed like a smile, and she looked directly at me. Remember, I thrive in awkward situations. Silent elevators, inappropriate jokes. At 39, I've reconciled myself to a life of mediocrity and no grand ambitions. I'm finally content. Still, an optimist, but only because I need to amuse telemarketers selling ink cartridges. It's my only savior and purpose. I won't tell her this yet, but laughter and love are my only angels in this godforsaken life. I guess I don't understand why I'm here, I confessed. New York is filled with such diversity and energy. Don't you think, Q asked, seeming to ignore my question. I shook my head and was about to reply, but bit my tongue. You know, Q continued, last week was the first time I've ever been to a comedy performance. I found it very interesting. I couldn't help but to laugh a bit. Did I say something funny? asked Q. Immediately, I felt bad. I sipped my coffee and decided to lay it all on the line. So, let me get this straight. You want some comedy seller comedian to help you with the human connection. I'm sure you find this all a bit strange, replied Q. No, I explained. I've lived in this damn city for almost 15 years. Strange is no stranger to me. I searched for the right way to express it. Let's just call it well, I'm not really sure yet. There was a long pause and Q got up from her chair. She walked towards the wall with the diplomas and watered a plant that had holes in the foliage. Monstera obliqua, said Q. This one is from Peru. As she took a few steps back to the wooden desk, her gait seemed a bit off, like Tin Man before he was properly oiled. I'm sorry, she said, but there are several things I need to explain. First of all, I don't expect you to say yes to any of this, nor are you obligated under any circumstances to be here. I nodded. Secondly, you'll be paid for your time. The lawyers told me that if you are interested, you'll just have to read through these terms and conditions and sign where requested. She pushed an electronic tablet towards the end of the desk. Third, I have medical conditions you should be aware of. As you can see, my walk is a bit awkward. I have an acute bone marrow condition. She opened a silver medicine container with her initials engraved on it. I take these pills to keep my joints loose. If I do not take these, I tend to get very stiff and become rapidly immobile. It would cause me great pain. She swallowed one without water. Lastly, our sessions cannot last longer than one hour per day. A side effect of this medicine is energy deficiency. In fact, it might even happen during one of our sessions. If, of course, you choose to stay. Don't be alarmed. You can simply take your stuff and leave. You mean you will fall asleep? I asked. Q wasn't screwing around in life, I realized. It's a rare genetic disease. 
something that my father contracted during one of his anthropological excursions in Africa. It never left his bloodstream, and the impact it had on his offspring was this. Q's vigor and youth now made me a bit sad. Of course I would have these sessions with her. She wouldn't even need to pay me. The view itself was worth it, but there was something inside of Q that felt, well, desperate. I know what you're thinking, she said, and you shouldn't worry. All considered, I live a very good life. I've been exposed to the lives of people all over the world. I've heard stories of immense and unimaginable struggle. Mine is negligible compared to most. I could have etched her solemn face into a sculpture. She clearly felt great empathy and distress. Everything happening now felt like some out-of-body experience. I finished off the semi-cold coffee just to be sure of things. Life is full of misery and suffering, I added, having no idea what I really wanted to say. She lifted her gaze to meet mine, and it was electric. Tell me more, but only if you want. I had pretty much made up my mind. Now, if you don't mind, Mr. Noble, I'll excuse myself. She extended her hand towards mine, and we shook. Her grip was an unusual one. Not strong, firm. Rather stiff, firm. I guess her condition extended to all parts of her body, even her fingertips. And then it occurred to me that there was something else. It was like her voice. Delicate. Yes, that's what she was. Delicate. I hope to meet you again, she said, straight-faced and professional. Thank you for your time today. My pleasure, I said. And please, call me Sam. She nodded, loosened her grip, and slipped out of the room. Okay, Sam. To my surprise, there was a dense legal document outlining independent contractor terms of the company called She Enterprises. I scrolled through the digital pages and didn't even try to make sense of it, but I was shocked by one term. I would be paid $350 for each hour-long visit. I could choose how many days per week, and if I worked a full week, I would get a $500 bonus. I couldn't believe my luck. $2,250 per week would get me out of rent arrears. I could pay back my bar tip, which Danielle picked up for the entire year. I could get new tires for my bike. Hell, I could even get a new bike. My mind raced like the airplanes just overhead, and Lady Liberty was standing there, arm raised high. At that moment, I thought I actually loved New York City. Maybe even life. It's like getting back on track. David is also the author of the upcoming book, I Am Q, which explores how the rapid rise of artificial intelligence has influenced our daily lives. In Cantor's words, progress is relentless, like the tide. Reflection is survival, like swimming. If we don't take a moment to reflect, we will draw in progress. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at our next storyteller is Viviani Knabol. She faced intense physical, emotional, and political oppression right from her birth. My name is Vivian Knabel. I'm an author and a student of life. I learned early on how cruel and ruthless life can be. 
I had to overcome many hurdles. I was born in Berlin, the epicenter of Nazi Germany at the height of World War II. I was an illegitimate daughter of a fiercely devoted mother, but since I was illegitimate, I was given no nationality. I was denied citizenship and deemed stateless. That was my first strike. Then uh, the aftermath of World War II in, in ravaged Berlin was really tough. I remember hunger and cold were constant and the German people all uh, suffered and uh, had to keep their uh, families afloat dealing with all this uh, conflict. But it was especially hard for my mother because she was a single mom with two young girls and she was uh, worked the black market striking deals just to bring food on the table. At uh, age six, I entered school. I had no previous kindergarten. And uh, I remember holding my notebook close to my chest, wanting to do so well. So I uh, uh, had a rude awakening. I could not follow the concepts of the teacher. I just had a different map and needed more time. So I fell behind. And at the end of that school year, I was condemned dumb by my teacher to my mother. That was the second strike. At age 13, we immigrated to Canada in search of a better life, like so many German immigrants did at that time. And uh, we arrived in 1956 in December, bitter cold. Uh, and uh, we uh, were um, challenged once again and met with desperation because we could not, uh, there was no work to be found. And not being in command of the English language did not help any. So my mother, being very resourceful, she took me by the hand and we walked into a random church and I explained in my broken English our plight to the priest and he sympathetically handed us $35 to uh, uh, help us stay afloat. And at the age of 14, I entered the work market. My mother had to obtain a special permit because of that child labor law. And my first job at a dentist was very promising, but I was sexually abused on that uh, at that job and I had to leave. So I uh, got another job at Woolworths, a five and 10 cent store. And um, I uh, actually liked it, uh, making sandwiches behind the lunch counter, lunch counter because it was always innate for me to I love to serve and make people feel good. And uh, so I did realize, however, that in, in order to improve my station in life, I will have to learn. So I went to night school and learned to type uh, and uh, stenography. And uh, then I got this job at uh, Volkswagen Sales and Service. And I remember um, working in the accounting department in one large room with a lot of desks and the people I worked with were over twice my age. There was no camaraderie, no connection, and I spiraled into deep depression. I attempted to take my life um, in a garage, starting the motor and closing the garage door. Uh, and I thought that the carbon monoxide would render me unconscious and I would drift into my ultimate end. And 
All of a sudden, though, a, a girl stood in front of me, and she must have been around six, and she asked me what I was doing. And uh, I immediately turned off the motor, opened the garage door, and said meekly, I'm going to wash my car. And she skipped off blissfully, unaware that she had just saved my life. It was a m miraculous intervention. So I clung to a glimmer of hope and continued with my life. And eventually I got uh, a position as a secretary for the service manager downstairs. And it, it already was much better for me. And at the age of 20, a man walked in, bought a Porsche, and he became my husband. Uh, he encouraged me to learn and grow, and he believed in me. And uh, I uh, learned to pilot a plane. I ran a marathon. I helped him in the business. And I'm immensely grateful um, for him believing in me. And uh, at the age of 70, I was again challenged uh, with, uh, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And I thought, how come, you know, my life is so beautiful. Uh, how come? But then it just shows you life is not static. It changes even if you don't want it to. But I decided to meet this challenge with optimism, positivity and hope because all my past experiences have made me resilient. And I'm so grateful for what I went through, even though I don't wish it upon anyone, but it makes us resilient. I think challenges are just an important part of life. Uh, they help us, bring us to a greater uh, sense of awareness and appreciation. So I uh, licked this breast cancer and I've been cancer free now for 10 years. And at that time, at the age of 70, when I was diagnosed, I became deeply spiritual. And uh, I studied the wisdom of the great minds, the great thinkers and philosophers. And uh, they helped me make sense of the world and applied their wisdom into my own life experiences. And it works. At age 76, I uh, published my first book, From Rubble to Champagne, Rising from the Ashes of War-Torn Berlin to a Life of Grace, Beauty and Gratitude. And this book uh, actually was turned into a documentary film called An Unimportant Girl, and it is now available on, on Amazon Prime. Uh, my second book followed uh, thereafter. Uh, it was called Lessons Learned About Life and Love, Living with Intention and the Wisdom of Great Minds. I want to empower others to find meaning in all of life's situations. That is my mission. And now at the age of 80, I published my third book, The Art of Aging. In this book, I want to uh, uh, show people that not to see aging as simply decay, but to see it as wisdom and strength and an opportunity to do something new that we've not done before. I feel an emerging energy and I feel more and more that life is becoming more and more fascinating to me. So in this book, um, I want to give back and uh, help people to find meaning and purpose in life. This is my mission and this is my story. For more information about David Cantor and Vivian Knobel, visit our website at www.relatable-media.com.
and that's all for today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have a story that you want us to catch, submit it on our website at www.relatable-media.com. Thank you for listening, and whether you are at home or on the road, we hope you catch this story.